You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. How old are sea turtles? Sea turtles? I, I don't know. Sydney Plankton from next door, he said that sea turtles said that they live to be about 100 years old. Well, you know what? If I ever meet a sea turtle, I'll ask him. So, Mr. Turtle... Whoa, dude, Mr. Turtle is my father. Name's Crush. Crush? Really? Okay. Hey, Crush! <laughs> Crush, I forgot! How old are you? 150, dude! And still young! Rock on! 150! I gotta remember that! Whoa. Hey, guess what? What? Sea turtles? I met one. And he was 150 years old. 150? Yep. Because Sandy Plankton said they only live to be a hundred. Sandy Plankton? Do you think I would cross the entire ocean and not know as much as Sandy Plankton? <laughs> he was a hundred and fifty, not a hundred. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump up, and swim on this planet. One animal at a time. My name is Paul. I am not an animal expert. Donna is on vacation and I have a very special co-host with me. I'm Bailey and I'm not an animal expert. Bailey, you are an artist you are yes. a musician. You're Sometimes. a very smart person. Thank you. You are the oldest rug rat that has ever been on the show <laughs> because you are my rug rat. Yes, I am. Spawn <laughs> of Paul. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. What are we talking about today? Uh, today, we are going to be talking about sea turtles. Yes, we are. But first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Okay, sea turtles in the news this week. A little bit of a bummer. A study says that a single piece of plastic, one piece of plastic, can be enough to kill a sea turtle. So according to a published study that we'll link to in the show notes, it's estimated that more than half of all sea turtles at some point in their lives have eaten some form of plastic debris. Wow. Yeah. Researchers analyzed nearly 1,000 sea turtles, and they were able to find a link between how much plastic a turtle ingests and its probability of death. They found that of the turtles that ate just one single piece of plastic, 20% were killed by it. Jeez. Yeah. Plastic, it can block the digestive tracts and, and rupture organs in the sea turtles, It was previously unclear whether the plastic was actually killing sea turtles or if it was just a coincidence. And right now there's a big thing about plastic straws. So this was actually a pretty interesting read about about the plastic and and sea turtles. It's it's kind of bad. Yeah, it's terrible. But in good sea turtle news, there were four rehabilitated sea turtles that were released back into the Gulf of Mexico in Pensacola, just a little bit north of us. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was a 124-pound loggerhead turtle called Ghost Rider. 
he had successful surgery to remove fishing gear that he accidentally ate. There was Peppermint, who is only six pounds. He was a, a little juvenile loggerhead. He had a hook embedded in his runt fright shoulder. So Aww. they got that out. There was a loggerhead turtle called Cheryl, who was 115 pounds. She was caught on a fishing pier, and then she had to have a hook and a metal leader removed from her esophagus. Do you see a, a kind of a, a theme here, a trend? Um, yeah, a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> looks like a lot of it is involved with some fishing. Yeah. Kara was the only one that wasn't wrapped up in fishing wire or hooks or anything. They just found her floating there, emaciated and anemic. So she received fluid therapy, vitamin supplements, and antibiotics. All four turtles were cleared, they're healthy, and they're ready to go back into the water. And by the time you hear this, they will be hopefully swimming around in the Gulf of Mexico eating and making little turtles. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, I think that Kara, or Kara, was the one that I read the article about. And didn't she have, like, really deep wounds from a boat on her shell that were septic at that point? Oh, no, no, the... Uh... I don't know because the article didn't mention that. Gosh, I hope not. Yeah, I I think the article you sent me, the the PNJ.com, was saying that she had deep cuts along her shell that had gone septic. And that's why she was floating in the water. She was just trying to conserve energy and some fishermen spotted her. Oh, my. So it was an intense therapy to get her back in the water. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm looking at it now and you're right. I, didn't, I missed that part. Well, all four of them are hopefully swimming around. Hopefully. They don't need our help. They're they're in enough trouble without us dumb humans doing things to them. They really are. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit because like every literally every single sea turtle is important. So it's nice that to see true. people nice to animals for a change. <laughs> yes, let's. Yes. Well, just a reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com. We'll have links to the audio and the show notes for today's episode in there and all kinds of little extra bonus material. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Varmints Podcast, all one word, at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. Donna keeps a Pinterest board, so go to Pinterest and put Varmints into the search engine. You can find all sorts of really cool sea turtle pictures after this week's episode. And you can go to tpublic.com for all kinds of wonderful merchandise, we have coffee mugs and t-shirts and tote bags and all kinds of cool stuff with our logo on it. So uh, go there. And if you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. Let's learn about sea turtles. Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> Today we are talking about sea turtles. A few months ago, Donna and I talked about freshwater turtles. That was episode number 37, and it was a really fun one, so do go back in time and listen to that. That was a that was a fun episode. And when we recorded that episode, we decided that sea turtles needed their own episode. Sea turtles are sometimes referred to as marine turtles. There are seven living species of sea turtle, the green, the loggerhead, Kemp's Ridley, Olive Ridley, Hawksbill, Flatback, and Leatherback. 
Like freshwater turtles, the majority of a sea turtle's body is protected by its shell, divided into two sections, the carapace on top and the plastron on the bottom. The shell is made up of similar plates called scutes, and if you listen to the freshwater turtles episode, you would remember that. But unlike freshwater turtles, a sea turtle's body is fusiformed and tapered at both ends. So this body plan reduces the drag in the water, but it also means that the sea turtle cannot retract its head or its flippers into its body for protection. Sea turtles are found in all the world's oceans except for polar regions. They especially like to hang out in waters over continental shelves called shelf seas that are very shallow and warm and have lots of grasses growing in them. Certain species of sea turtles can get big. A green sea turtle may weigh up to 350 pounds or 159 kilograms, and a leatherback sea turtle may grow to be 6 to 7 feet long or a little over 2 meters. And I think the biggest sea turtle that was ever recorded was a green sea turtle that was 850 pounds. That's a big turtle. That's a big old turtle. <laughs> the smallest sea turtles are the Kemp's Ridley and the Olive Ridley, and they're still pretty big. They can get to 22 to 30 inches long, which is 55 to 75 centimeters, and up to 66 to 110 pounds, or 30 to 50 kilograms. So pretty much the size of Matthew. <laughs> pretty much the size of Matthew. <laughs> Male and female sea turtles are just called turtles, and the babies are called hatchlings. The origin of the word turtle, you are going to talk about in a little bit, because it is weird. And fascinating. And fascinating. You were so excited to tell me about osmoregulation. I have no idea what that is. Yes, I am super stoked about osmoregulation. I also did <laughs> yeah. not know what it was until I started researching sea turtles. And you're the only person ever that says they are super stoked about osmoregulation. I know, right? <laughs> Marine biologists listening to this are like, yes, finally, somebody <laughs> is psyched about osmoregulation. <laughs> So before I get into this, uh, have you ever heard the myth that sea turtles cry? No, I have not heard that myth. I hadn't either, um, but I apparently that is a popular myth or um, a sea wives tale about sea turtles is that they cry. <laughs> okay. As humans, if we have too much salt in our system, we are able to process it through our kidneys and excrete it through pee. Right. But unfortunately, reptiles like sea turtles don't possess the same adaptation as humans and other mammals. They don't pee? So they can't create a hypertonic urine and they don't have any sweat glands. So they do pee. It's just not they don't get rid of the salt that way. Exactly. Their body actually can't excrete pee that's saltier than the ocean around them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, it just doesn't work. <laughs> For some reason. Okay. <laughs> so, um, in order to maintain fluid homeostasis, they have to release the salt that they get when they eat um, very salty foods that turtles eat, like jellyfish or seagrass. Right. And so they have a specialized gland that is located in their skull behind their eyes. And these glands process the salt and they empty it into a tear duct. And then it, appear, it appears that the turtles are crying. Huh. So they cry out their salt content. Wow. Uh, species like leatherbacks that primarily 
eat jellyfish, which are very high in salt content, have much larger lacrimal glands than some other species of sea turtle. And so they are actually almost constantly crying. Aww. <laughs> Aww. They're not sad. They're just salty. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. I thought so. A turtle's entire life cycle is pretty interesting. And before I get into it, parents, we're going to talk a little bit about how big sea turtles make little sea turtles. So if this discussion is going to make things awkward for you and your kids, just uh, go ahead and skip a little bit ahead. And uh, okay. Um, I'm a kid right here. <laughs> We've already had this discussion with you. You're good. <laughs> Also, no, you're in your 20s, so if we haven't, you're in your 20s, if we haven't had this discussion <laughs> with you by now, we're, it's, it, that's bad. <laughs> Every one to three years, female sea turtles will crawl up on the beach, they'll dig out a nest in the sand, they'll lay a clutch of up to 200 eggs from as many as five different fathers. Oh boy. Yeah. Mm. This is because the female turtles can store sperm away into their oviducts until they ovulate. So they just suck it away until they need it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, bees do that too. Do they? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so female turtles will lay those eggs, they'll bury them, and then they will leave. They'll get the heck out of there. So turtle hatchlings are completely independent. They will never see their mothers. They're on their own. Wow. Yep. In the nest, sea turtle eggs are subject to things like land predators, flooding, like a hurricane can wash an entire nest away. Or disturbance from humans. Like on our beach, we have sea turtle things that are roped off and people sometimes mess with them. Jerks. They are. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> sea turtles start out as hatchlings. If they hatch and if they can make it to the open ocean, their survival rate is about 10%. Wow. Yeah. Young sea turtles will often spend several years drifting with the currents, feeding on small animals, living in algae floating in the water. So they can't really swim against the current. They're just kind of going along with it. Hmm. And those years are actually called the lost years. <laughs> yeah, it's like really poetic. Those were my um, lost years. The but, lost years. Yeah. But once they're a little more mature, they will settle a little closer to shore where it may take them more than 30 years to reach adulthood finally. Adult turtles will migrate from their developmental areas to their mating grounds. They'll make some little baby turtles. And then the males will migrate back to the feeding grounds. And then the, the females will return to the beach where they hatched, which is crazy pants. Like, what is even happening? Yeah, that is wild. That's amazing. They go right back where they hatched. They'll lay their eggs, and the whole process starts all over again. So keep in mind that all this time, the turtles are under constant assault by natural forces like weather, by land predators, by ocean predators, but mostly by humans. So getting caught in fishing nets, ingesting plastic like we were talking about, getting tangled in fishing line and hooks like we were talking about, pollution, and there are even people who still eat sea turtle eggs and meat. It takes a lot of sea turtles out. Oof. The by eggs? The, the eggs, yeah. People no. will eat the eggs, yeah, unfortunately. Just... Eat chicken eggs. Yeah, right? <laughs> Those are cheap. What are you doing? <laughs> so by the time it's all said and done, what do you think the natural survival rate of sea turtles is without our interference? Oh, without human interference. 
probably like 20 out of 100, 20%. Nope. One in 1,000 turtles will make it to adulthood. Oh my goodness. Yes. I I don't know. What is that? One-tenth of 1% one math. Uh, let me see. percent uh, Let me see. One thing, carry the two. Uh, 1.1%. Oh. One in 1,000. It's not many. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Bad. One in 1,000 turtles will make it to adulthood, and even fewer still will live out their full lifespan, which is right around 80 years. Hmm. So, uh, not 150? Nope, not 150. <laughs> I think the oldest recorded sea turtle was 152. Hmm. Yeah, so they, you know, but it's it's a Disney movie. They can take a little artistic license. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to forgive it. Do your research. <laughs> Disclaimer time The Vomits Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence But then, Don and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves So, they're going to do it anyway <laughs> So you told me earlier that you were interested in to see what I would think about sea turtle intelligence. Yes, I was interested. Okay, here's what I think. I love sea turtles. They're cool creatures. They're beautiful. They're awesome. I think they're great. Uh, They're reptiles. They're driven mostly by instinct. And I don't think they're that smart. I gave them like a two. sorry, but they're so dumb. They're kind of dumb. (laughs) I'm glad we're on the same page. I yeah. was worried that you would have found like a scientific research study saying that they like recognize their keepers or something, but I couldn't no. find anything saying they were even a little bit smart. No, they even like finding the beach that they were hatched on. They use like magnetic fields and and I don't know, tarot cards or I don't know what they do <laughs> to find the beach that they that they started out at, but it doesn't it's instinct. It's not intelligence. They just kind of know where to go. Yeah, they're not, like, calculating it in their mind. They're just working off of instinct. Yeah. Okay, but uh, we're supposed to put them on a scale, right? Uh, an arbitrary scale of 1 to 10. Yes. What did you give them? Um, I gave them a 3. A 3? You were more generous than I was. I gave them a 2. Oh, really? I did. I, I gave them some credit for... The instinct, even though it is instinctual, I just think that their migration is very cool. And I think I think it's hard to differentiate between instinct and intelligence in some cases. Right. Because your instinct affects your intelligence, I feel like, if that makes any sense. Sure. I'll go with it. But I read... This cracked me up. Um, first of all, for everything that I could find about sea turtle intelligence said that their brains were actually small for their body size for a reptile. Right. Poor little guys. And this article, the only one that I could find about sea turtle intelligence, which I think I sent you the link to, yes. it summed it up very nicely. It says, although sea turtles may not be a top competitor for the world's most intelligent animal, (laughs) they have ingrained themselves into our hearts and continue to enthrall people throughout the world. (laughs) So basically, it's like they're saying, it's okay, honey, you're dumb, but you're really cute, so you'll get by. (laughs) Oh, sea turtles, bless their little hearts. 
Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sea turtles, bless their heart. (laughs) If Donna were here, she would remind you that brain size is not an indicator of intelligence because ravens and crows have little tiny pea brains and they are wicked smart. Donna would probably be right. She is. She is. (laughs) And also I read that they only have the most basic abilities to interact with their environment. (laughs) Jeez. Which, unfortunately, is why they end up eating plastic a lot of the time. Yeah, they mistake it for food. They just see it and go, ooh, food, yum. Yeah, exactly. They get in trouble. That's that's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's our fault for dumping plastic into the ocean. It shouldn't be there in the first place. No, it shouldn't. So what did you rate them? I gave them a two. Oh, okay. I gave them a two. That's why I said you were more generous than I was. Yeah, I gave them the one little point. (laughs) (laughs) One little point more. That was nice of you. Just because they're ingrained in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we are going to talk about sea turtles in pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this. You've heard the stories about murder and homicide. But what about the rest of the crimes committed daily? What about the police officer who robbed banks during lunch or the multi-million dollar diamond heist? What about the assaulters, stalkers, and arsonists? I'm Lindsay, the host of Mugshot. Mugshot is a new true crime podcast that tells the stories of non-murderous crimes. Season one has begun and new episodes release on Mondays. Mugshot can be found on most podcatchers and on social media at the handle at MugshotPod. I hope you'll join me, but until then, be on your best behavior or you'll end up with your own mugshot. Hey there everyone, Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you, and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time, on movies, TV, comic books, toys, and video games. You're kind of a nerd too. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty. So my pop culture reference this week gave me an excuse to talk about two things that uh, really just delight me. And the first thing is Gamera. Yes. <laughs> yes. You were like, what are you talking about for pop culture, Dad? And I was like, Gamera. And you were like, oh, yes. But you, you, you <laughs> actually have... I'm so stoked that you're talking about Gamera. <laughs> so Gamera is a giant flying turtle kaiju created by Daie that first appeared in the 1965 film Gamera the Giant Monster, which is a little on the nose. (laughs) (laughs) It was originally produced to rival the success of Toho's Godzilla, which I talked about in the Iguanas episode. Yes. Gamera is basically a giant turtle, a very large one that is capable of walking on two legs and flying. (laughs) Flying. He can manipulate things with his arms and legs, and he has a mouthful of teeth, including two large tusks on his bottom jaw. So the creators of Gamera, they kind of took a few creative liberties with your standard sea turtle, I think. I mean, like, just a few. Just a couple. (laughs) (laughs) The explanation for Gamera, or like the backstory, is very different depending on what you are watching. So sometimes Gamera is a prehistoric turtle 
who is either dormant or encased in ice, and then he's awakened by an explosion. In one series, he is a bioengineered giant sea turtle who is created by Atlantis as a guardian of the universe to defeat Gaios, which was another creation capable of killing all human life. Gamera has a very resilient and strong shell that repels missiles and other kinds of weaponry. Gamera is sometimes shown as feeding on fire and other heat sources like power plants for energy. And it can also hilariously fly by <laughs> pulling in its arms and legs, rising up and spinning through the air like a flying saucer with flames coming out of his arm and leg holes. <laughs> it's delightful. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> <clears throat> Gamera also has a weakness. And that is cold. And that's depicted in at least two films. He, he, they turn him, like they get him really cold and he can't, he can't fight anymore. That's an interesting discrepancy there because I'm pretty sure in one of the movies he does fly in space. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He's definitely flying <laughs> in space, which is super cold. So yeah, yeah there's... the coldest. You know, there are some plot holes and some inconsistencies in those Gamera movies. You're completely what? right, Bailey. <laughs> no. <laughs> they were masterpieces. <laughs> Gamera is generally depicted as a very destructive monster, but in one film, he spared the life of a young boy who is central to the film's plot. And this led to Gamera being referred to as a friend to all the children in the world in later films. Not a creepy catchphrase at all. <laughs> Gamera has gained fame as a Japanese icon in his own right, right there alongside Godzilla. He has appeared in TV, movies, video games, comics, and even science. In 2011, Washington State University veterinarians fixed a prosthetic caster onto an African tortoise, and they named him Gamera, and because he, he lost one of his legs. That is adorable. Do you know what a caster is? Uh, no. Okay, so like when you have a cart, and it's got wheels on the bottom, and the wheels kind of like are movable, like they swivel around. Yeah. So that you can roll the thing in any direction. Yeah. That's a caster. They, they put, put that on a turtle? They did. <laughs> And they named him Gamera. <laughs> I love this turtle. <laughs> uh, Gamera also gained popularity in the United States in the 1970s when TV stations would show the movies. And then later on, the other thing that I wanted to shoehorn in here was the TV show Mystery Science Theater 3000 in the 1990s. Which is how I am familiar with Gamera. Let's go, Gamera! 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 You can sing one. Gamera is really neat. Gamera is filled with me. We've been eating Gamera! Flames, claws, breath, scales, fun. Dr. Forrester <laughs> is kind of a jerk. And <laughs> is really dumb, too. We have to take part in these lame experiments. But do we complain? No. No. Yes. Huh? So <laughs> we hike people all over the place. And talk of a thousand wonderful days. Everybody now. Camera is really sweet. He is filled with turtle meat. <laughs> now we have commercial signs. Love it. 
five Gamera films were featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. All of them are hilarious. All five of them can be found on YouTube. So I will provide the links to those in the show notes. If you are unfamiliar with Mystery Science Theater 3000, it is a comedy show. And the concept is that a janitor is trapped against his will in space. He is forced to watch bad movies as experiments. And to keep his sanity, he creates two robot companions to join him. And they make fun of the movies that they're watching. And it's just the funniest thing ever. It is amazing. (laughs) What is your pop culture reference? I think everybody is going to know. Yeah, so my pop culture reference is Crush from Finding Nemo. Yes. So just in case you don't know what Finding Nemo is, it is a film that came out in 2003. It is by Disney. I was nine years old when it came out. Oh, And it tells the story of an overprotective clownfish named Marlin who sets out across the ocean to find his son, Nemo. And along the way, Marlin learns to take risks and comes to terms with Nemo taking care of himself. Crush's role in the movie is that he helps Marlin and his friend Dory get to Sydney Harbor by way of the EAC, the Eastern Australian Current, Mm -hmm. to rescue Nemo. Crush also makes a return in the sequel, Finding Dory, but it's a much more minor role. Uh, In the sequel, he only makes a brief appearance where he and his son Squirt help Marlon, Dory, and Nemo get to Morro Bay, California. Oh, cool. Crush doesn't appear in any other films or movies by Disney, but he is a popular character in all of the Disney parks and resorts and appears in various shows and attractions throughout Disney parks and resorts in every Disney park except for Disney Paris. They just have something against him, I guess. Come on, Disney Paris. I know, right? The French are like, no, we don't want the turtle. Oh, that was not a French accent. (laughs) (laughs) That was so bad. Tighten it up, Paris. Hold on. I can do a better French accent. Do it. No, we don't want your turtle. (laughs) We are France. You have to do the ha 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 ha. Oh, the dude crush is not welcome here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry to any of your French listeners. (laughs) 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 Unless they didn't listen to this episode because they hate sea turtles. That, you know what? Good point. In which case, I don't apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A fun fact about his name you have him listed in the show notes as Dude Crush. Yeah, that's how I've always known him. But in reality, uh, in the show, he never goes by anything other than Crush. He does mention that his father's name is Mr. Turtle. (laughs) That would make Crush's full name Crush Turtle or Sea Turtle. Oh. Do you see what they did there? Oh, wow. I thought you would appreciate that. Mind blown. (laughs) So Crush is voiced by Andrew Stanton, who is a director and producer mainly for Disney. Uh, his most well-known works include A Bug's Life, Wally, and of course, Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Also, he randomly directed an episode of Better Call Saul, which is a <laughs> spinoff of Breaking Bad. Wow. So uh, I guess he was just looking to shake things up. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> But he's also written for a lot of other Disney movies, including Up, Ratatouille, Monsters, Inc., Brave, The Good Dinosaur, and the list goes on. Uh, He also voice acts in most of these movies, uh, but it's more limited to sound effects and background characters. 
Uh, but other than Crush, one of his main roles in a Disney movie was the evil Emperor Zerg in Toy Story 2, which I find delightful. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yep. great. Cool. I have a little uh, sound clip of, of Crush. Okay. Let's hear it. Give me some fin. Noggin. Dude. Oh, intro. Jellyman, offspring. Offspring, Jellyman. Jellies? Sweet. Totally. Well, apparently, I must have done something you all liked. <laughs> uh, dudes. You rock, dude. Ow. Curl away, my son. Oh, it's awesome, Jellyman. Little dudes are just eggs. We leave them on the beach to hatch, and then cuckoo-cachoo, they find their way back to the big old blue. All by themselves? Sure. But, 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 dude, how do you know when they're ready? Well, you never really know, but when they know, you'll know, you know? Oh. Okay, so let me ask you something. As great as that character is, do you think you could, like, if they did a spinoff of just Crush, do you think you could handle that for, like, an hour and a half or two hours? Um, maybe when I was nine, but <laughs> at the age of 23, I think that would be excruciating, especially if Squirt was involved. His voice is uh, grating. Yeah. He's a great character just in, in smaller doses. Small doses. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I do remember being nine and me and all my nine-year-old friends quoting the exchanges between him and Squirt constantly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and Donna used to have a, a Volkswagen bug that was named Crush. Oh, cool. I don't know if she called it Crush or Dude Crush, but that was its name. That was its name. Yep. There's um, There was a fun fact I read. I think it was on the Disney Wikipedia article. Sure. So I read on the Disney Wikipedia article that they gave him a surfer dude voice because... Sea turtles migrate from Hawaii to Australia. So that's likely what they were referencing when they gave him that voice. Sure. And one last little fun fact about Crush before we move on to your pop culture reference. Sure. Is um, he actually appeared on an episode of the PBS Kids Go Show, Fetch with Ruff Ruffman. What? Which I don't How? know if you remember, but that was me and Matthew's jam back in the day. Yeah, no, that was a great show. How did what, how did they shoehorn Crush into that show? You know, I don't know the who or how that happened, but <laughs> in season five of Fetch with Ruff Ruffman, there is an episode called The Old Shell Game. And in that episode, Crush tells Ruff about the trouble happening with sea turtles. So Ruff sends kids to meet with Crush and learn about sea turtles and the environmental things that they're facing right now. Um, I actually don't have any memory of this episode. I think season five was a little late in the game uh, <laughs> for us to be watching the show, but yeah. I did think that was very interesting. You, you had moved on to like Kim Possible by then. Yeah, well, I think those two ran concurrently. Oh, did they? Yeah, I, I got roped into that show because Matthew would put it on on PBS. <laughs> it was a little below my... My demographic. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, wouldn't you know I have this lovely pot pie ready to go in the oven. Oh, no. Isn't that gorgeous? 
Tell me you wouldn't put that in your food box. Oh, no. I would I would eat a pot pie that looked like a sea turtle. That'd like be if you cute. Did, if you did something fancy with the, the lettuce crust on top, but I would not want sea turtle meat in it. No, no, no I wouldn't either. Uh, I think in a hypothetical world where sea turtles... Uh, ran amok in the oceans and were maybe a bit of a problem, then I would be more than happy to take one or two out with my mouth. But as things stand right now, I would not eat a sea turtle. Exactly. <laughs> you take one or two out with your mouth. <laughs> you know, like a carnivore. Of course. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so they're not in our food box. In, in realistic 2018 world... Not in the food box. Absolutely not. No, Purely not for, for ethical reasons, because I feel like they would be delicious. Uh, obviously, they are, because people in certain corners of the world still insist on eating them. <laughs> you, you feel like they would be delicious. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you know that she is my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the primal part in the back of my mind goes, no, you do want to eat that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, believe me, I know. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Hey, Paul and Donna. It's me, Vlad Somtonovsky. I guarantee you I can help you win your next trivia night. Or at the very least, make you the smartest person in the room. All I gotta do is share with you this. The animal fact of the week. That sounded ominous. Hmm. So normally I talk about the, the origin of the animal's name at the beginning of the show, the etymology. But this I wanted to save for the end because it's weird and funny and crazy. Yeah, it is weird and crazy, and I don't think anybody would have guessed it. So to put it simply, the word turtle has its origins in hell. How, you might ask. Would cute and unassuming turtles have their name origin in hell? English-speaking sailors who gave us the word turtle probably didn't know the root of the word, but they apparently modeled it after the French word for turtle, which was tortue. Probably said that wrong. <laughs> which was sourced from the late Latin tartarucha. Okay. Tartarucha was short for the phrase Bestia Tartarucha, which means infernal beast or what? beast of the nether regions. Oh my goodness. Why? Why did they name the turtle beast of the nether regions? <laughs> it turns out that in early Christian literature and art, the turtle was a symbol of heresy and evil. Wow. Because apparently its lowness to the ground and its tendency to wallow in mud and filth made it evil in the eyes of early Christians. Oh my goodness. We can go back even further to a pre-Christian cult by the name of Mithras. In the cult of Mithras, the turtle was an ancient emblem of darkness. Wow. I couldn't find a good reason for that. No. <laughs> Turtles are great. I I don't know. I don't I want to meet the pre-Christian cultist who looked at a turtle and said, "That emblem of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> that infernal beast. <laughs> the turtle." Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, 
Wow. Yep, and so now we're calling them turtles. And so now they're turtles. That's why um, we call them turtles. And a little side note on that Wikipedia article, or no, it's not Wikipedia, it's Webster's. Inferno Turtle also sounds like a pretty good band name. <laughs> Infernal Turtles. Infernal Turtle. I love it. Coming to you live from Seattle, Washington. <laughs> I did not realize until this week how much sea turtles have an impact on the environment. It is crazy. Yeah, you mentioned that, and I know nothing about that. All right. Well, sea turtles, and green sea turtles in particular, eat a lot of seagrass. And when they graze on seagrasses, they actually increase the productivity and the nutrient content content of seagrass blades. So sea turtles are kind of like nature's little underwater lawnmowers. Aw, adorable. Yeah. And so without them, seagrass beds become overgrown, they obstruct currents, they start shading the bottom, they begin to decompose, and now you have a habitat for slime molds, microorganisms, algae, invertebrates, fungus, which is fine. Other fish and, and other creatures will eat that stuff, but it doesn't really produce food for sea turtles. So yeah, sea turtles literally act like lawnmowers, so rather than pulling the seagrass up by the roots, just like a lawnmower, they'll bite the blades just a few centimeters from the bottom of the blade. And so the older upper parts of the seagrass blades, they just float away rather than accumulate on the bottom where they start rotting and start becoming compost. Wow. Yeah. When sea turtle populations decline, that is going to impact the seagrass. And that impacts plant species, nutrient cycling, animal densities, predator-prey predator relationships all the way up the chain. So ultimately, less sea turtles means less seafood on your plate. Well, that sounds pretty vital. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sea turtles also feed on sponges. So when sponges are removed from coral reefs, the coral reefs can thrive and they can support the overall diversity of coral reef communities. SpongeBob, no, I'm sorry, but you have to die. <laughs> <laughs> there are no sea turtles on that show, are there? No. <laughs> I think we just found out the reason Actually, for that. <laughs> now that you mention it. <laughs> okay, listen to this one. Sea turtles can benefit the vegetation and the stability of sandy shorelines. Huh. So you think of sea dunes, they're really, really sandy, and there's not a whole lot of nutrients there, like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Right. Those things are provided to the plants by sea turtle eggs. What? So whether the eggs hatch or not, sea turtle eggs provide a concentrated source of high-quality nutrients. And that's what the plants feed on. And then the plant growth helps stabilize the shoreline. That provides food for predators who then redistribute those nutrients by pooping, which further aids in the growth of, and the stabilization of the dunes and it's just kind of a circle of life thing. So just by laying eggs, sea turtles are stabilizing and taking care of their own nesting habitats. Wow, that's incredible. Yes. And the other really cool thing that sea turtles do is eat jellyfish. Yes. Yes. Even jellyfish that are venomous and even deadly to humans, they'll eat them. And leatherback turtles in particular eat 73% of their body weight in jellyfish every day. That's why they have to cry so much. <laughs> See, it all comes back around. Yep. So there's some larger leatherback turtles that eat, eat up to 440 pounds of jellyfish every day. 
And that's important because it allows commercially valuable fish, the stuff that you and I have in our, our very big food boxes, to be dominant and more available and cheaper. And uh, yeah. So t- Lovely. Sea turtles do really, really good stuff, but they have to be alive to do that really good stuff. Yes, that is an important part of it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Bailey. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. This show is produced with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod, vocal talent by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Andrea Freitas, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Stacy from Rough Giraffe, and Frosty from the show with Presha and Frosty. Special thanks to you, the Patreon supporter, for helping us keep the ship afloat here by giving a dollar or two every month to the Blazing Caribou Studios Patreon. We really do appreciate it. And thank you for buying stuff from Public. We really do appreciate that, too. It's the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger that wants to be on the podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. And this week we have Emma and Jacob. They have something to say about sea turtles. Hello, it's me and Jacob. I am Emma and this is Jacob. They can't see what's happening. (laughs) Okay, so sea turtles eat peanut butter and jellyfish. Yeah, um, sea turtles do eat jellyfish. (laughs) And they've also been around for 110 million years, which is since dinosaurs, which is a really long time. They can't put arms, legs, or their head into their shell like normal turtles either. Um, They can be yellow, green, or black, depending on their species. And um, they can lay to 70 to 190 eggs, which is a lot of kids to take care of. (laughs) And also, they're endangered for killing eggs, meat, skin, and shells. And they also get caught in nets. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Jacob knew his stuff. He did. He was good. Peanut butter and jellyfish. Peanut butter and jellyfish. (laughs) That was awesome. So thanks, uh, Emma and Jacob. That was great. And thank you to their mom, Lindsay. Lindsay is the host of the Mugshots podcast. You heard the promo for that earlier. So thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time. Be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.